0: thank you
1: very much for joining me. I pray that you will be so blessed by the revelation that I share on this episode. It's all about our calling to be an everlasting foundation, according to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25. And I'll get to that a little later, but first, let me lay a foundation for the revelation of our calling to be an everlasting foundation. First, let's look at it from the negative point of view. Psalm 82 verse 5 says, All the foundations of the earth are unstable. In other words, everything in this world is subject to corruption, to decay, and to unpredictable changes. But what are the foundations of the earth? The things that all societies and cultures are founded upon governmental, political, economic, religious, militaristic, socialistic, educational, scientific, agrarian, and of course the entertainment industry. All of these are the foundations of society and all of these are unstable. They're subject to corruption, especially apart from any influence from God. This instability is only going to increase as we move further into the last days. Isaiah prophesied of the closing of this era with these words, troubling words, disturbing words. Listen to them closely. He said, fear and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit, and he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in the snare, for the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth are shaken. So everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken, and all the institutions that human beings place their trust in are going to be proven untrustworthy. There's only going to be one place of safety, one place of refuge. And the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. That's our role to proclaim that name in this generation. Whether we're received or rejected, we still have to lift our voices. Now I'm going to get to our primary scripture. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25. In the King James version, it says this, as the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more, but the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Now a whirlwind is a tornado-like storm, and when it comes through a region, sometimes it can level houses, rip trees out of the ground, but as soon as it comes, it goes, and the only way you can tell it ever existed is the destruction it leaves in its path. And that's the way the wicked are. As the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more. In other words, the only way you can ever tell they lived in this world is the destruction they leave behind. But then the end of Proverbs ten twenty five says, the righteous, on the other hand, the righteous is an everlasting foundation. A foundation in what sense? A foundation that other people can build on. They can see your faith, your confidence, your trust in God, your love for others, your readiness to forgive, your humility before God and before other fellow human beings. And they can build their lives on the witness of your Christ-like behavior. So you become a foundation to them, but also You become a foundation that God can build on because if you're living a committed life of discipleship, God looks down from heaven in a sense and says, I can build on that. I can use that person to advance my kingdom and to promote my cause in this world. Now, there's another translation that puts it a little bit differently and yet both are complementary. In the New American Standard Version, it says, when the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. The King James Version says the righteous is an everlasting foundation. The New American Standard said the righteous has an everlasting foundation. And yet these two are one because the only reason the righteous can be an everlasting foundation is because we have an everlasting foundation. And it's a foundation made up of multiple levels. And I'm going to share those levels with you in the remainder of this podcast. Let me fully explain the NAS version, though. It says, when the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more. So that talks about how the Trials, the whirlwind, tornado like tragedies that hit people in this world wipe the wicked out. It destroys them. They have no resource. They have no place to go to, to run to. They're vulnerable because their only trust is in themselves, and the whirlwind destroys them. But the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Because when the whirlwind comes, you've still got a foundation for your life that is trustworthy, dependable, and everlasting. Well, let's get to that. There's actually eight foundations underneath you if you fall into this category of being one of the righteous. Number one is your own righteous works. Your own righteous works. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And so the first foundation of a righteous person are the very righteous works that follow them. Because what you sow is what you reap. And as you live righteously, you're creating a foundation for future blessings to evolve in your life. The Bible says we store up for ourselves a good foundation for the time to come. Now that stretches also from time into eternity where eternal rewards await you that can never be taken from you. A foundation that is absolutely infinite and indestructible. Now that's just the first foundation. The next foundation under you is the stability that comes when you receive imparted righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled If you're filled with righteousness, that's not something you do, it's something God does for you. He fills you with his own righteousness. And in the sight of heaven, you appear just as righteous as the firstborn son of God himself. He imparts that righteousness. He imputes that righteousness to you. That is a foundation for your life that is indestructible. That's why the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. And so when you receive imparted righteousness from God, nothing has power to rob you of that status. Even your own faults and failings, though temporary, are not enough to destroy that inheritance if you maintain repentance and humility and faith, then God is a God of restoration and he will restore you to a status of purity in his sight. And you are righteous because Jesus grants you his status of righteousness. How powerful is that? Now, underneath that is an even bigger foundation And that is the church that you are a part of, that is self-supportive. Every member in the church is supportive of other members of the church. We strengthen one another, we mobilize one another, we motivate one another. And so the church under you is a foundation. It's not going away. It's not gonna cease to exist. The church is not only an institution divinely created in time, it will endure for eternity. And 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And so if you are a part of the church, you are a part of the foundation of the truth in this deception-filled world. You're not only a part of that foundation, your life is based on that foundation because the truth that resides within the church is supportive of you. And underneath the church is an even larger foundation. It's like each one of these foundations is successively, progressively larger. We find in Ephesians chapter two, verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Think of that, that you are on the foundation of the apostles and then prior to the apostles, all of the prophets of the Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, many of them prophesied of the new covenant to come. They gave us insights from the old covenant era concerning the nature of the wondrous things God would do in this new covenant era. Our lives are based on the foundation of their ministries and their revelation and their revelation brought into birth this glorious new covenant that changes men and women into new creations in Christ Jesus and causes them to be a part of the bride of Christ, married to the bridegroom of all ages himself, the Lord Jesus. What a powerful foundation is under you. And then even bigger than the apostles and the prophets is the doctrinal foundation that rests beneath the church of the living God. That's found in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. And then it gives six individual doctrines, the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So the foundation is the word foundation, the word of God, not just these six doctrines, they're highlighted, but every important doctrine from Genesis to Revelation. That's the foundation under the apostles and prophets. The apostles and prophets are the foundation under the church. The church is the foundation underneath every person who's received imparted righteousness from the Messiah himself. And that imparted righteousness undergirds those who are performing works of righteousness in this world. See how the foundation gets bigger and bigger. And here it's going to make a huge step. Psalm 87 verse 1 says, His foundation is in the holy mountains. Can you imagine how strong your house would be if it was on the foundation of a mountain that is immovable? Well, this is not just one mountain God's talking about. It's numerous mountains. I'll only mention a few. But Psalm 87 1 says that God's foundation is in the holy mountains what mountains are being referenced here well let me just give you a quick overview mount ararat was where the ark first rested when it came down after 40 days and 40 nights of the earth being flooded with waters and that was where the rainbow of promise was first seen in covenant language first appears in the bible That's part of the foundation of our lives. And then the next great mountain is the one Abraham ascended to offer up Isaac. It was called Mount Moriah, where Abraham saw something very sacred. He saw a symbolic representation of what God was going to do many centuries later when God supplied a ram to take the place of Isaac, his son. And that's exactly what's happened for all of us. We should have died on the altar of sacrifice. We should have died for our own sins, but God brought forth a substitute in death for us, the Lord Jesus Christ, who paid the price so that we could go free. And then the next mountain is Mount Sinai that was caught on fire in the wilderness, and the audible voice of God spoke out of the mountain as he gave the Ten Commandments. And then the rest of the revelation of the word was brought forth and put into writing by Moses. And so we get the revelation of these moral boundaries inside of which we are safe from a world full of corruption. And Then the next great mountain to be mentioned is Mount Calvary. The Mount called Golgotha, where the Son of God tasted death for every man so that the curse of death could be conquered. The next mountain is Mount Zion, the mountain that will be the hub of the government of God and the kingdom to come. The Messiah will reign from Mount Zion over a restored paradise world. These mountains provide a foundation for our faith that is immovable, indestructible. The Bible said, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Next, the seventh foundation under us is God's foundational word plan. See, many things happened in the heart of God and the mind of God before time even began. The Bible says that At the end of this age, when the Lord comes to reward his people, he will say to his sheep, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The scripture also says that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain from the foundation of the world. The scripture testifies that God's works in this world were finished from the foundation of the world. See, God had a foundational plan that was going to dictate how the future unfolded so that there would be no strategy of the enemy that would ever prevail. God would always have a plan that would supersede anything the enemy does and bring us forth, the redeemed of the Lord, to total victory in the end. Now, the largest of all foundations, though, is spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, other foundation can no one lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The infinite Lord Jesus Christ, infinitely vast in knowledge and wisdom and love and power, that's the biggest of all the foundations, supportive of all the seven foundations above that. And then at the very top of this peak, this pyramid-like peak, rests the feet of every individual child of God who is trusting in the name of Jesus, the name of Yeshua. The foundation of God stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. One last thing I want to say, if you go to the book of Revelation and read the fantastic description of New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, you'll find out that in the 12 foundations of that city are inscribed the 12 names of the apostles of the Lamb because everyone who enters that city enters through the gates that are named after the 12 tribes of Israel to place their eternal trust on the foundation of the message of the apostles. Even those who were redeemed from the old covenant ultimately will have to trust in the death that Jesus died on the cross in order to obtain an eternal inheritance. And so even as the apostles are an everlasting foundation for all who will be a part of that bridal city, New Jerusalem. So you are an everlasting foundation, surely for a fewer number of people, but those you influence are just as important as all those globally who have been influenced by Peter, James, and John, and all the other apostles that followed Jesus in the beginning. So do not lose heart and do not minimize your importance. God said in Proverbs ten twenty five, the righteous is an everlasting foundation. People are going to build their hope for the future on the witness of the faith you exhibit in your day-to-day walk. And God himself when he sees that you are trustworthy, is going to build his work on you in a unique way that is different than anyone else in the world. So be faithful, you have an important role to fill.